0: Relax, this is Toefob, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will
1: Anderson. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I don't know if we can even do a show. (laughs) So that was exhausting. Some people will be able to see, because you were filming a little bit of content on your phone. What a day to film. So there was hail. Yeah. Like a freakish hail storm (laughs) came through. Half of my house, because the doors were open. We were out the back. And by the time I got back into the house, like there was... Yeah, ice. It looked like somebody had emptied ice trays all over the floor. But it was like a flash hailstorm. Yeah, it didn't slowly build to it. We no. were
0: we were getting ready to record. We were set up. We sat down. We pressed record, and then this it's like a
1: biblical hailstorm started. And it was so loud we could not like we're hear only, each other. We're only two meters away from each other as we're sitting here, and we could not. You would have had a podcast of us shouting into microphones <laughs> but not being able to hear each other.
0: If we were more professional, we'd have headphones where it wouldn't bother us. We could just still hear each other and keep talking. Well, I guess so. But the hail was so loud that it would have Do been the like audience? droning back. Out. I imagine. I mean, I'm always surprised when like noise happens, like when the dogs fight, which mm. we'll get to. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hear the podcast and I have, sometimes I'll ask Mike Hal to take it down. Sometimes mm. I'll ask him to turn it up. But I'm always surprised by how good these mics are at containing stuff like i don't know that that would have sounded particularly terrifying like it was for i us. think
1: it was so terrifying if we can't hear each other i think that's going to be loud enough that you're going to hear it in the microphones it is i mean it was enough yeah, to I make go. a stop it which was which enough to make me before. think that i should move my car but then by the time i would have moved my car and secondly i didn't have anywhere to move my car to but <laughs> if i had moved my car um the, the storm was gone. That's the fastest I've seen you move in ten years. Well, yeah, and in icy conditions. <laughs> no, Although no, I just no. put some of that hail on my hips afterwards. <laughs> you just laid down. It was just an immediate yeah. ice down. It didn't actually take that long to close the doors, but I just lay, made a few snow angels, and my hips felt amazing. Does that mean we're the first
0: podcast to get like? I mean, is this, climate change is climate change us. is affecting podcasting fir- as well.
1: <laughs> it's it's everywhere. It's, Finally, it's affecting everywhere. white middle class men. We <laughs> might do something about it. If it goes to podcasting,
0: Uh, that is the first time I can recall abandoning an episode because we've never been weathered because of inclement conditions. Yeah,
1: have we ever? I mean, nothing springs to mind. We don't even have an inclement weather policy. No,
0: we should we draft (laughs) one?
1: I mean. If we're gonna, you know, make this a little bit more of a business, you know, because yeah. we'll get to the next thing. Well, we'll get to the dogs, and we'll get to the yeah, the business the, part, the business part, <laughs> which but,
0: probably explains why we have not made much money.
1: Exactly, and but you know, we probably do need some sort of like business document that sets out, yeah. you know, our various policies towards things.
0: I feel like you're going to sue me. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lead up. I think we should get individual the, contracts when we. Sign, the dotted line, right?
1: There's some new podcasting (laughs) metrics that show that this podcast would have been a lot more successful if you hadn't been involved, Charlie, (laughs) and we'll see you. And he's using the early episodes
0: (laughs) as evidence. (laughs) I'm just going to what about Bobbit. You can like separate from me and just go on, but I'm just going to linger. I'm just going to follow you, your career. I'll never be out of your sight.
1: Oh, it'd be great if, you know, you were just, suddenly we just had a meeting and I was, like we're you're like i'm out like paul mccartney style <laughs> no i was thinking maybe that like we just move you into a different role oh, within the company Ah, <laughs> oh, so like, i know that's all right i'm like strop
0: yeah. <laughs> right i become your john cornell to your uh, paul yeah. hogan yeah that was on the other night crocodile dundee did I you watch it i haven't seen it in years yeah actually i don't know if it's my age now but mm. i thought it really stood up i remember seeing it last time and thinking oh god it's so corny and move so slowly but this time around because I'm an old man I like the love story and I thought Australia looked amazing and like you were talking off air about Wu-Tang Clan and how you've been watching that series and disappearing down rabbit holes well after I saw Crocodile Dundee it was enough that I went on a Crocodile Dundee Paul Hogan deep dive I found an interview with him on Australian Story and it's actually there was more to the Paul Hogan story than I really knew like how much do you know about besides
1: that telly movie (laughs) How I much do you know? About I that? did not see the telemovie, so. But here's what I imagine they covered in the telemovie: <laughs> that he worked on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, that he yep. was discovered on um, a, t- a TV talent show of some kind. I can't remember yeah. what it was called, but new like faces. New Faces, yeah, yeah. New Faces.
0: Um, that he, do you know what his first job was from the New Faces thing? Because that's the famous story? Is that the way he tells it? Is he went on because. Apparently the judges were really cruel on that. And so his plan was just to go on and just give it back to the judges and then walk off before they gave their verdict or when they said, you want your score? He's like, no, no, I'm good and walk off. And apparently when everyone saw that, they're like, got to get this guy. like He's so authentic. So do you know what his first job was? How they used him? Uh, to sell cigarettes? No, before that. Oh, okay. What? For, on Mike Willis' show. He was the Friday night funny man. Oh, was that right? Yeah, I didn't know that. So his job was at the end of... You know the episode on a Friday night. He would sit down with Mike as the man on the street, and that's where he had like the ripped off sleeves and the stubby shorts and stuff. And so, they'd either have a guest on, and he'd ask the guest questions, or he'd just—I guess it was kind of like, you know, it was pre-sort of Norman Gunston, Pouda, all those kind of characters that end up, you know, doing interviews and stuff. But it was actually Hoge; it was really him. I mean, oh uh, yeah, so I didn't know that. So he did, and then so then he went to work at the bridge, mm. but he's saying in this documentary, this Australian story thing. The worst thing to be is famous and poor, because <laughs> he's gone. He would do that show on a Friday night, and you know that was back when Australia had like one channel, so everyone would see it. And then he'd catch the train to work on Monday morning, and have everyone on the carriage want to give him jokes for that Friday, or just want to ask him questions. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, fame
1: without the money doesn't really make any sense, does it? Well, I mean, it's you. It's the worst of all worlds, and that's why all these people who become semi-famous end up stories in the paper about them you know, like charging restaurants to have them eat there for free and those sort of things, you know, because they can't actually afford to live the famous lifestyle that they need to live to maintain their, you know, their spotlight in the public eye. Yeah. Like you can't, you get invited to the races, but you can't afford the dress to wear to the races. Yeah. And so do you know what happened after that? Uh, I don't know, Paul Hogan show? Yes. So he meets, uh, he meets um, Strop. hmm
0: his name again john cornell john cornell and john cornell was the producer of course the uh, dad of chris cornell the lead singer of (laughs) Soundgarden. uh he was a producer on a current affair that mike Willisy hosted and so he said hey uh instead of producing these just these little sketches for you you start writing down longer form ideas so they started doing the paul Mm -hmm. Hogan show so that's when he started doing like the winfield stuff the reason i'm telling this story is Mm -hmm. it's leading up to crocodile dundee so what john cornell did is he saw that Paul Hogan had this kind of charisma as like the typical Australian. So he started going to brands like Winfield and stuff and saying, you know, this juxtaposition of the everyman. And then they had the idea when they're in London because Australia's tourism campaign was so woeful back then. It was just like a really lame poster of koalas on the wall come to see Australia. So he went to the Australian government or the tourism board, whatever it is, and said, we will do the creative for your new tourism ads. We'll write them... We'll go out and shoot them. We won't take a fee. All we ask in return is you give us feature film budget and locations and music. we just so we can do make it the biggest production. And they became those mega famous ads, throw a on the Barbie, like Paul Hogan, face of Australia. But John Cornell's plan was let this is the best way to introduce Paul Hogan to the world, and then we can move on into you know feature films. And so it makes sense when you see Crocodile Dundee because I'm like this looks like a tourism ad. It's so beautifully shot. I kind of forgot. I just thought, uh, you know, like a Judd Apatow comedy. It doesn't look that great. You don't really remember the cinematography. But Crocodile Dundee is a beautiful looking film. and It turns out it was shot by like Russell Boyd, this legendary cinematographer who did all those
1: big Coca-Cola ads and tourism ads back in the day. Yeah. Well, that's part of the appeal of the film is that when you shoot the Australian Outback, particularly that part of the world where that was, you know, featuring, mm. it's naturally unlike anything else in the world. And yeah. man, it, sometimes, you know, I will just sit on like my couch and watch the Apple screensaver mm. because seeing spectacular scenery, you know, pictures of places that are just beautiful is it, it, like, I mean, as in it's entertaining in of itself. Yeah. So the idea that you could combine this like funny movie, Crocodile Dundee. a yeah, really this, easy
0: to digest film.
1: Yeah. Because there's an interview with John Cornell
0: in it. Uh, just before they released it. So they raised like eight million to make uh, Crocodile Dundee very famously private investors. You know, and the film then went on to make like four hundred million, like one of the greatest investments ever. Um, and there's an interview that they played it in Australia, it went bananas, so they prepared this Universal bought it, prepared to do the world premiere. And John Cornell was like, Yeah, I think it's gonna do okay. It's like a love story. You know, it's not too violent. It's not too mean-spirited. He gets the girl in the end and it looks really great. So I think it'll do okay. And then, boom, like it is. and But it makes perfect sense. You Like you're just saying, it's just the perfect story to carry all those beautiful pictures.
1: Well, and also, as you said, this character that you've been introduced to, because there's not much difference between... Crocodile Dundee and the Paul Hogan that the world had seen in those, mm. you know, throw a shrimp on the Barbie ads. None at all. Like it's not a huge step for you know, like yeah, you know, because that's kind of what the world thought Australians were anyway. So the fact that it leans into it a little harder, it, it worked. And because Australians liked Hogan so much, it didn't feel like he was taking the piss. And we were used to Australians playing characters yeah. as well. So it's kind
0: of like it felt like if you're going to take the Paul Hogan show and maybe strip back. Which to- is one
1: of the great things as well is to remember that he's a, like a. A sketch comedy character yeah. performer because he doesn't really do any characters at all. No, like he has an amazing capacity to play all these characters who were all essentially yeah, they kind of the were the same character. But Leo, they were Wanker all essentially just George him Fungus. with him in a different hat or single, yeah, yeah, or raising exactly. an eyebrow. Yeah, <laughs> but they were all. It's not like he had some like. Yeah, amazing of range disguise. of voices in disguise. <laughs> and it was just like, that's definitely just hogs playing Cockatone and Dude. I mean,
0: that just speaks to charisma, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we just bought him just doing whatever, put a wig on, short. Sure. I mean, it, it is his charm in that film. It's funny, uh, they interview the director and he talks about uh, Linda Kozlowski, like it was one of the first things she'd done, but she was like a Juilliard trained actor she'd won a scholarship to the juilliard so she was you know obviously super talented and then she i don't think she'd even been to australia before comes out to do this australian film with a guy she'd never heard of and she's like a like you know it's like getting Kate blanchett out you know just out of night Kate cate blanchett mm. that come to your film like to arrive in australia and then do scenes with him
1: she must have just been like what the fuck is going on here well particularly because who would be the who's like the modern day equivalent of Paul Hogan there isn't really there one, isn't is really there. in Australia yeah well that's the other thing I was thinking is
0: because they were talking about how he's Australia's biggest ever superstar mm. and I was thinking about it, it's like I we've got like Chris Hemsworth and Hugh Jackman and Kate Blanchett but then I'm like but he still would be bigger than all those names because all those people are famous for like being Wolverine but he's famous for being Paul Hogan and when people think of Australia that's one of the top three things that they'll reference right
1: Uh yeah, or maybe the first. and But also, and That's look, not this, a is a very, this is a very outdated, um, you know, way of looking at what it means to be Australian because, you know, we've spoken about this before. We're a multicultural com- country and so often, you know, when we look at what w- it says to be Australian, it is mm. a Paul Hogan type, right? Yeah. But for that period of time and what the world saw us as and a, in a way what we saw ourselves as, Paul Hogan was peak what Australians were fine to be represented by yeah and we were like yeah we're a bit cheeky we're down the bottom of the world yeah like he, when he did the oscars yeah and he talked you about know, like you was- yeah if you say i don't deserve deserve this like just yeah. give us away. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah like funny and you were just like oh look at that that's our hogs that the oscars like making jokes and taking the piss out of the whole thing well apparently they shot it in chronological order and so because they're talking about the real relationship mm.
0: between paul hogan and linda kozlowski and the director was saying what you're seeing happen in that movie is kind of what was happening in real life. Because she arrived, she met this guy, he she wanted to rehearse, he didn't believe in rehearsing, you know, he would had his laconic style, you know, would sort of sometimes stick to the script, sometimes not. But you know, she'd probably spent hours like preparing. So he said, then you see this kind of mutual respect and then attraction forming over the film. So there's a little bit of that going on, that real life kind of magic happening as well. And you can sort of see it a little bit. Right. But I did wonder, like he was, what, mid 40s when he did that or late 40s and she must've
1: been like, this is a 20 year age gap, right? Yeah, something like that. Hmm. Do you think that would fly today? Oh, uh, I think there are probably still some odd 20 Depends years. Depends how hot the guy is. <laughs> Depends how hot the guy is. And I think... If she, how old was she do you think if she was 25 i don't think anyone would still have a problem with it but i think if you're like if it gets anything to, younger anything younger I, I reckon than she's older than 25 I, without yeah. looking it up
0: i think she looked older than that but it but is, because it's an onset like but used you know to what be, it is it's billy bob and angelina yeah it sort of has that vibe to it not that he's a weirdo or anything or billy bob's a weirdo but the age difference kind of don't you reckon? So or is that or is that a bigger age gap?
1: No, I th- I don't. Well, I don't know is is the answer, but I would say it is interesting that so much of what has entranced us about Hollywood has been the idea of, yeah, people who play characters who fall in love with, on screen actually falling in love on screen and these sort of things, and it's famous. You know, it's mm. a famous part of being in show business and a famous part of you know our myths around show business from the old movies where you know Lauren Bacall and you know Humphrey Bogart, Bogart sort of stuff right yeah. it's always been part of the story of Hollywood but of course now we're seeing the, the Jason darkest Jason Statham in The Rock <laughs> <laughs> no I was going to say now we're seeing the darker side of what some of that stuff might have been exposed as well that it makes the, the you know the things that there was nothing wrong with suddenly become oh. more it, like you know you suddenly just go well it's a a workplace romance of any kind when somebody has more power than the other person becomes a much trickier thing to negotiate in the climate of when it's been clear that people have yeah. taken advantage of that power
0: imbalance. They actually go into it in that Australian story because they didn't actually get together during the first film because wow. he was married at the time. Yeah. But he sort of talks about when it became public that he was leaving Nolene and the kids and stuff. He had his first three kids when he was 22 years mm. old. So by the time he was in Crocodile and like his kids were grown up. Yeah. Like the but media painted it. They were like, he was, you know, these orphaned mm. kids at the gate. Um, and they didn't get together till like the second film. So mm. there was actually a break. And then he stayed with her for 28 years. So he said like, I had this reputation of being this guy who, but he's gone, I was married to one woman for 30 something years, grew a family with her, and then started another relationship that lasted for 20 something years and had a kid with her. So pretty much monogamous, <laughs>
1: Right, yeah. It's two major relationships. I think yeah. it's just the fact that like you know, He was Australia's dad or Australia. Yeah, and he was his wife with like Nolene. Yeah. And she was lovely, people loved her and and he clearly and I don't mean this is any disrespect to Nolene, but like the perception was that yeah, he kinda, of, you know, traded in the you know, the loving wife who'd raised all the kids and yeah for this glamorous you know beautiful mm. young you know Hollywood movie star and so I think we just were there were some Australians who were probably a, a bit I mean I don't think that
0: I think that I remember being I remember being, being, scandal, I remember I being think, vicious I remember my sister like being really angry at him she was a huge Hoax fan right. and she was like totally bought into like the Glossy magazine yeah, thing okay. out of, like he left Norlene how could he do that
1: and you know that girl's so fake and he's gone all Hollywood and blah 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 <laughs> Like it was, well, that's what it would have been. It would have been Australians going, he's bloody up himself. Yeah, it would but, have been tall poppies. You know injury. what it is? It's he's the, gone
0: Hollywood. It's the Meghan Markle, uh, Prince Harry thing. Mm. She's copping... Linda Kozlowski was the, took the brunt mm. of all the... You know, she, Her intelligence got called into question and all this kind of... She's a money grabber and all that kind of stuff. But Paul Hogan in the Australian story, there's some really great... You know how Aussie men of a certain generation even if they were private school or working class or whatever, you feel like they could all punch in the gob. You know? <laughs> if you're bloody, you get too smart-mouthed. It's just a generation of Aussie men, you know, who had yeah. that little bit in them. They all boxed in the 1950s or something like that. And so there's just a few flashes of moments where he talks about wanting to like punch someone in the nose. <laughs> it's just got that cranky old Aussie grandpa vibe to it. And one is a clip. It was during the height of that anti-Kozlowski mm. kind of stuff and he was doing an interview with 60 Minutes and he's like, oh, I, want to, I want to crack skulls. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting with Rupert Murdoch and work my way down. <laughs> I was just like, holy shit. In this day and age, like, I wonder if someone could actually, would anyone come
1: out against Rupert Murdoch and say he's going to punch him in the head? I mean, I would love, like nothing more that I would love in the entire world to see, and they could do it for charity. Uh, they would raise so much money <laughs> if Rupert Murdoch agreed to have a fight with Paul Hogan.
0: Well, it makes sense, right? Like, bare-fisted. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, for bushfire rules. Really. Queensberry <laughs> rules. Like, because they're all blokes. <laughs> I would love to see Paul Hogan bare-knuckle fist fight Rupert Murdoch. Who would win? I feel like
0: Paul would win the physical mm-hmm. contest,
1: but Rupert,
0: Rupert would have laid <laughs> yeah. they would, a in s- series of a traps. Yeah. traps. Like, He'd he's, cheat. Yeah. Paul would win the fight. Yeah rupert will win the battle and then yeah. decimate his entire family and then their family's family. Well it'd be the dissim- like
1: dissim- the blood sport or whatever which whatever the one where they put the the sharp you know uh kickboxer that- kickboxer yeah. <laughs> right yeah uh, my favorite
0: line in kickboxer is when uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is trying to warn his brother not to take the fight mm. because he's just walked past Ton Po's room and he's kicking a pillar and the roof's shaking mm. and he runs up and he goes you can not fight him he was kicking the pillar and the pastor was falling down <laughs>
1: Yeah, Rupert Murdoch would fight dirty. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. He would... And
0: the press leading up to the fight would be (laughs) brutal. Imagine in Queensland, if they held it in Queensland.
1: (laughs) I mean, but that would... See, but that would be tough, because I think that, like, Queensland, a lot of them would identify with Paul Hogan as a hero, so... Yeah, but their media is controlled by the Murdochs. Yeah, exactly. But can you go anti-Hogan in that environment, don't you still have to give the people what they want?
0: Ah, oh, I don't know. I reckon if Paul Hogan came out and said, you know, climate change is real mm. and we need to take drastic action then and
1: I know because look how brown I am. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I reckon all those blokes would turn on him pretty quick. I don't think anyone's safe.
1: Um, Paul Hogan is I mean he's yeah, there's there's some complicated things around. Hogue's, his tax stuff was yeah all right. there was so some there was some how does he tell it his in explanation yeah, and what's his explanation his
0: explanation is yeah. that a financial advisor uh, of his one of his financial advisors was in hot water for some hmm. deal and was giving up bigger fish and he reckons just threw mud at Paul Hogan because he knew being the ATO it would take their interest and it would just get the heat off him but they he never got charged or anything I think they
1: settled or it was dismissed or uh According to Hogue's anyway. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, so I, I I would like to know what the truth is on on that. But I mean, he wouldn't be the first person who's move money around move money around. I suppose, but um, should pay your tax, guys. Yeah, um, that, that, Rupert Murdoch, if you're listening, also, and you are in some way, I imagine. Yeah, I imagine we'll get we we'll get bought out. Mm. Um, did you learn anything else from it? Was there any other?
0: Um, yeah, that the second film, so Paramount. So he was the toast to Hollywood. Mm. And that was the other thing too, was I remember like going to see Crocodile Dundee at the cinema. And as like a young kid who loved the movies and saw like everything Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters, it was so
1: powerful to see
0: like an Australian character up on screen. And Are we you were saying
1: talking, representation matters, Charlie? Yes, Charlie.
0: I mean, yes, Charlie. I'm answering myself. Yes, it does. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. I think, well, all we had in terms of superheroes was Mad Max prior mm. to that. And I was I was a bit too scared to watch all the Mad Max because the biker scared me. But Paul Hogan was the hero we could all get behind.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was though. There yeah. was just something so magical about that character. Like he was a fish out of water, but he also always was you kinda had this idea that he was always gonna Well, there was just one line in, out
0: on top line in the film which just made me laugh. And it was such a simple little thing. But you know, towards the end of the film when, you know, he thinks that Sue's gonna take up with her boyfriend and you know, he gets, he bumps into that pimp that he punched, and the yep. pimp's got back up, and this time he doesn't have his knife. And they kick the shit out of him, and then the limo driver comes in and saves him. And it's just this little throwaway line, but he helps Paul Hogan to his feet, and Paul Hogan's gone, Ah, oh, thanks, man. It's just about to get on top of him. <laughs> and it was just like two minutes ago, he's getting the shit kicked out of him. But it's just that laconic, like, Yeah, I had it under control. <laughs> it's just this real throwaway line that just Paul
1: Hogan just makes work so perfectly. But also growing up in country Australia, in particular, people like that. Like it, that was what people were like. Yeah, you should see the other guy. That was you know <laughs> the always that the way that Australians Just dealt with that off. sort of adversity. So he was he was like a uh, was was he? i because of course I was in the country at the time. If Paul, Hoke, if and Dundee came along now, like yeah. I mean, but the same thing happened. I'm yeah. not saying yeah. So modern day context, same sort of thing. Mm. Would inner city people hate Crocodile Dundee if the same kind of thing was made updated for modern time but just like as in with, like, that, as in,
0: with that Aussie tourism feel Aussie
1: tourism feel Australian comedy, comedy star traditional, in the middle of romantic comedy traditional sort of but like, done like so that it becomes a big hit worldwide mm. would that be the sort of thing that like would city people go this is great or would it be looked at in a different light by city people I think, I don't know. I feel like the world's more cynical now. Mm. I mean, are you
0: saying like, disregarding all the problematic stuff that's in it?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I don't mean, yeah. Because
0: yeah. there is... There is some stuff. There's some stuff. I mean, it's also... I was listening to Dire Straits the other day. Uh, and Money for Nothing. I'm like, uh, I'm singing along up with my daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, look at that little... Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It just, it just slipped in there. Yeah,
1: That little fraggle who's a millionaire. Uh, yeah, so... Th- there not- is... I, this is a disappointing thing to say, and I won't linger on it too much, but... Um, so the radio station that I was working at, when they play that song, because they play that song, they have an edit version that does not have you mm-hmm. know that that line in it. But every time they play the edit version, they get complaints from people saying, "Why didn't you play the actual version?" How do you feel about that? I, I feel like you shouldn't complain when they edit it. They edit stuff for the radio all the time. Yeah, like you can't. True. It's not. That's it's true. not like you tune in on the radio and you hear all the the. Yeah, the Fs and, you yeah, know, and I Cs guess, and, and whatever all, in songs. They're all private organisations. They get to dictate their... Right. And they're broadcasting out to the airwaves where they don't know people listening in the car with yeah, kids and all point. that sort of stuff. I absolutely don't have a problem with them editing it. Yeah, You can widely get that song. If they edit it out of every version of the song, then, yeah, you're getting problematic about, yeah, leaving art how what it is dire so you can understand Straits, it. What
0: Do they still play it? Do they, if Starstruck's played
1: live, do they leave that line in? I mean, that is such an interesting question. Because Mark Knopfler doesn't seem to me like he's like just hanging a Sam down. Newman, Andrew Bolt type who'd be like, no, I'm saying it. I don't but know anything about Mark Knopfler. I wonder if when... Di- I don't even know if Die still still tour, but if Die Straits still tour, do they... Should I Google that? Yeah, Google it. I would really like to know the answer to that.
0: Yeah, there's some problematic stuff in... Uh- Cockatoo Dundee but it's not nearly on that level it's just more like old fashioned I mean Hoax talks about it's not
1: Ace Ventura problematic
0: ah uh, no but it's it's in the same ballpark yeah well uh, literally yeah, <laughs> yeah. correct <laughs>
1: that is hang on are we, we being problematic <laughs> <laughs> laughing at that well, I think we're satirizing that and that's excellent accidental inter- inter- <laughs> wordplay <laughs> insightful comedy <laughs> um yeah, but it.
0: I think it's more just the old man, old fashioned stuff. Like they talk about the Hoge's sketch show, mm-hmm. and it's like it's all just like tits and bums and stuff. Yeah, like there's that.
1: a re- there's a reason that they're not being replayed or parroted Monty Python style. Yeah, but Hoge's like in the interview, like present day is like, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: like it's terrible. Like I apologize for that. Like I, you know, I'm not trying to say that it was great. Like he said, in the only thing he'd say in his defence is it was more about mocking the guys who get so kind of flummoxed when they see a hot girl than it was about making fun of the girls the girls were always in a position of foul which i'm like okay
1: <laughs> in, but actually in that innocence, actually sense. in a way kind of uh, in a way not entirely of course but just in a way he was right the, certainly the butt of the joke wasn't the women uh, yeah you could argue you'd certainly make some arguments around the scenarios and whatever the women were presented in that you know they perhaps weren't not necessarily in control. I'm not sure the women wrote the sketches and was like, as a feminist statement, I'm going to present myself in this bikini yeah. to make a statement about feminism. But he is right in that often the joke was at the dumb male reaction to that rather than at yeah. the women's expense. Um, well, they say, so the, doc, the
0: documentary finishes, it sort of goes through like Crocodile Dundee D2 and then everything after that, which he got off at everything, turned it all down, and then just he wrote almost an angel... And then I think Reckless, no, not Reckless Kelly. What's the other one? Lightning Jack.
1: Lightning Jack. Yeah. What With Cuba Gooding Jr. playing a, a mute, mute. <laughs> immediately after winning his Oscar. Yeah. I think it was his next role. Great. Wasn't it? He? he won an Oscar. Agent got fired that day. <laughs> he said, you know what I want to do? I want to be in this terrible Paul Hogan movie where I don't get a line. All right. This is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Yes.
0: Uh, F word. To be removed from Dire Straits' song. Oh, hang on. I oh, know that's just a radio station. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, well, I'm just gonna get. You know okay. what? Why you just get? Yeah. I'm gonna fill up my drink.
0: Oh yeah, they're not together anymore. <laughs> so I found out something about <laughs> Dire Straits. They're not together anymore. So whether or not they play it live is not a question.
1: Uh, Die straights are no longer together.
0: All right. Die straights are no longer together. Um, So the most insightful part of the uh, Paul Hogan story, I thought, happened at the end when they're just sort of rounding up. So he's in a position now where doesn't need to work. So he just will do whatever films and stuff that he thinks will be fun. And, you know, he likes to meet the directors and the co-stars and stuff. So... They were interviewing the director Dean Murphy, who's done like his last three films, Strange Bedfellows and uh, Charlie in Boots, and he's doing his new one. And this guy said, um, they're talking about the impact of Crocodile Dundee and how iconic it is." and uh, they talked about the aussie Tourism Act, and Dean was saying like it's everyone got so excited by that and we're talking about a new crocodile Dundee film, but Paul's had really big stars approach him about bringing Crocodile Dundee back, and he won't make it happen. He said two big stars in particular. And so it got me thinking who would those two stars be? I'm assuming they're both. No, he said two big Australian stars, yeah. Two big Australian stars. Trying to get it. Crocodile Dundee. Now, the obvious one is what the one we've always thought, right? Chris Hemsworth. Makes the most
1: sense. Wants to do comedy. Um,. Could definitely do the action. It would look great in a bloody alligator skin vest. It would enjoy, I think, making the film. Yeah, you know, like it would be a fun project
0: for him to do. He's making more films in Australia now. He's got his own production company here to make Aussie films.
1: Guess his helicopter home to Byron Bay at night. <laughs> Just gives like a hitchhiker a ride. Exactly. Just continues being protein. ultimate Hemsworth. Does like <laughs> works out with his wife. Five hundred curls. Releases a book. <laughs> Life's good when you're Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> oh, life is so good when you're Chris Hemsworth. You know Angeworth. what? If you
0: actually just take the making of the movie part out of it, mm. that's a pretty great life. Like That yeah. seems stressful.
1: Who needs it? In fact, you know what, mate? Yeah, exactly. Why, why do you want to make movies? <laughs> yeah, Your exactly. life's awesome. But yeah, Crocodile Dundee, would be amazing. And I believe the other one would be Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> do you reckon that's what he meant? <laughs> if it had to be someone else, not
0: Liam. Uh, Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Why would Hugh Jackman Crocodile Dundee be like? Charming. Well, isn't that what he played in Australia? That Baz Luhrmann film this is essentially like a Jackaroo. Well,
1: who, who would be a more interesting choice? Jackaroo. Then? Jackaroo Hackman. Um, Hugh, oh, I fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> Jackaroo
0: Hackman. <And> <laughs> Hugh Jackaroo. Oh, Hugh Jackaroo Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's there, but it's not there, is it? <laughs> Um, he's, he's would have been, he would have had to do it when he was younger. So Wolverine, Hugh Jackman, not like Oh, he can do it now? No, he's too old. But Paul Hogan would have been, so he's 50, right? Or just around about 50. Paul Hogan would
0: have been close to 50.
1: Yeah, but like. He would have been late 40s. Hugh Jackman, you've got, like, he looked kind of old anyway. Like Hogs had that sort of like lived in leathery, like he'd actually, Hugh Jackman doesn't look like he's lived in the outback. Paul Hogan looked like he actually lived at that pub. You know, in the middle of you know the outback. You think he's and- too private school? Yeah, he's too creepy. We need someone who can rough it up a bit. All right, so Hugh Ben Jack- Mendelson. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn. That would be is amazing. Crocodile does just dude. like
0: a menacing like. Bradley Murdoch's Outback Psychopath. Well, what about... Because we pitched the Chris Hemsworth big budget action comedy, but if we did it
1: dark... Right. Dark Dundee. Joker. Joker style. Oh, my God. We Joker, Crocodile Crocodile Dundee. Dundee. Oh, my God. He's an alcoholic loner. Yeah. Yeah, because in Con Man... In the movie... Because he's a con man. Like, that's the thing about... He does have these powers, but he also is... Like half of what he uses is, is kind of cotton and bluster as well. Yes, that's right. And hes
0: they talk a lot in the movie before he goes to New York about how he's only really spent time with his tribe, hardly ever goes, no, hasn't been to any town bigger than Wombat Creek or was it Wombat Gully, whatever it's called. Um, so you would have someone who's like a loner, like lives just like, maybe they don't even have a home, just sleeps in a, a swag
1: right. the whole time. But he's dark. He's Ben Mendelsohn. Well, but also like terrifying in the outback. That's because we've had like that's the knife. Well, yeah, it's kind of I guess that's my Ben Mendelsohn. I mean, what's, what's what was that show you were in? Greg's show, Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. Yeah. So, um, uh, which of course I knew the name of my, my brain, which just wasn't putting those words together. <laughs> well, Mick but, Taylor. Well, it's a it, that was a kind of like dark turn on on Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, right. And so. It, it, it can't, can't be a killer. It can't be a killer. It's got to be a like a take on it that's more malicious, but isn't like a murderer. Yeah,
0: well, just because you don't want more, more of up. a weird, it, twisted character study. Have you yeah. seen Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal? He plays a guy who like rushes to scenes of accidents to get like footage for TMZ and all that kind of stuff. Well,
1: what's the central premise of? Crocodile Dundee. Well, is there, is, a there so, journalist. is there a big bad that they're fighting? What's the big bad that they have to defeat? That, that, that they won't fall in love. The boyfriend is the antagonist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's got to be a bit more Crocodile Dundee too than I think in scope. And not, because- it, not if we're doing a Joker
0: type thing. Isn't it more of just a weird twisted character study? It's like, a sociologist goes out bush to meet this guy. who's had very little contact. He's a white Australian, but
1: he's had very little contact with uh, okay. mainstream Australian yeah, society. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's gone bush. He's gone bush. And people don't know if he's a genius or a... Crazy man. Crazy There's man. There's some story about a
0: crocodile that happened. Yeah. That he married a crocodile. <laughs> well, <the laughs> crocodile's his best friend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Something to do with a crocodile. Not those two. <laughs> no, because there's <this> mysteries. <laughs> so they're it's best around friends. It. Somebody I saw these them best playing tennis them. <laughs> last week at the county courts <laughs> against the platypus. <laughs> yeah, he used its beak. That then we realized that we Will have found our mushroom patch. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, maybe that's kind of the direction that. Oh, well, no, Joker style, you needed. Because what, what, like, Joker was an unravelling of an ordinary person. Yeah, what would push you to the edge? Is there, yeah. So is it. I think he's unraveled. Yeah.
0: Oh, he's already unraveled. I think it's going to be more yeah. like, and this is not the structure, mm. but that heart of darkness kind of thing where a man is lost, he's gone. Okay. And she has to reach him and find his humanity again. What is it that's going to bring him back into the, into the real world? Maybe you've seen, um, Grizzly Man. Yeah. Amazing. Like Vin Vender's documentary about the guy goes and lives with the bears. Maybe it's a guy like that. He makes all these, like, manifestos on video cameras and stuff. Crocodile Dundee's vendettas. Defends crocodiles. They're his best friends. He plays tennis every Wednesday with them.
1: Yeah, so maybe there is, like, he's a kind of darker... I love that we've done almost 300 episodes of this show and most of it is centered around (laughs) remakes of Crocodile Dundee that we'd like to see. Yeah, exactly. It's such a good property. So Mendelssohn... uh, is Crocodile Dundee, yeah, but he's this guy who's been living with the tribes, now learning right. their ways. <laughs> <you know. laughs> that's right. I'm Ben Mendelssohn. I don't know if that's a very good Ben <laughs> but he does have a
0: kind, you know.
1: He yeah, said talks to But it flips the myth on its head because Mendelssohn does a different kind of charm. He can do that sort Menace. of smarmy, yeah. menacing charm. That's right. <laughs> and so the journalist goes to meet this guy who's been making oh, these. Luke. Well, I like to think he's probably, like you said, like an animal rights defender or those yeah. sort of things. So he's a bit like a PETA activist yeah. or a... Terrorist. Ex- an eco-terrorist. eco-terrorist. Yeah, considered Beautiful. to be a bit of an eco-terrorist. Right, okay. So instead of like out there hunting crocodiles, he's out there, you okay. know, maybe poachers are going missing or like people who've been trying to kill the animals. Well, it needs are being- an inciting incident. Yeah. So
0: she has come to Wombat Gully or whatever it is to meet this guy Crocodile D, who apparently you know had his leg bitten by a crocodile, but survived, and so then she turns up and finds out oh, that he's actually you know it was like a love bite, and he's this kind of con man. So the spin on that is this sociologist or scientist. There's been a story about a guy who's gone like an eco terrorist who's gone gone bush for years now, and something happened. What would the incident be? He. He took down like... If oh, he's an eco-terrorist, he yeah. took down like an oil... Yeah,
1: yes, absolutely. They've, they've been doing some sort of like... Drilling, gassing... Drilling, testing, the Adani mine sort of style situation. Yeah. And he has... Destroyed some equipment or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Or they have... CC- or they've been having a series of... Because like, like, you want to like scenes that you can show that'd be cool. And I always yeah. love when the hero, the person who has these special talents gets to demonstrate their special talents. Yeah. So maybe we have a bit of like a few scenes of him thwarting various plant, like just in little ways that can't quite be... Yeah right. So, you know, uh,
0: sort of like um, uh, they're sort of intercut scenes that just have no context at first, but then you yeah. realise. So it's just like a knife in the wheel of like a logging tree. Yeah. A, a logging Him getting to get
1: the large the water buffalo to sit in the middle of where the I feel know, like the trucks this is the plot
0: s- of like on deadly ground. With <laughs> Stephen Sagal or something. It's, it's getting worse. I thought we were making a dark, moody, Joker esque thing with Ben Mendelssohn, but now it's like he's an eco terrorist who's sabotaging. I just can't see Ben. What? If you play it for real, I could see Ben
1: Mendelsohn yeah, doing it. This is what it I, can't be yeah. cool stuff, though. It can't no, be like no, no. swinging like a cable in and firing a machine gun. No, I mean legitimate stuff that, okay. you know, somebody a terrorist would do. Yeah, but someone also who's been living and learning off the the land and the people there and, and whatever.
0: Could it be like a Ted Kaczynski type where it's like maybe the, in the 60s, they experiment, well, hang on, it would be more like the, the 90s. He took too much ecstasy with <laughs> a lot of house parties in the 90s. And it fried his brain and now he has this kind of like this manifesto.
1: Okay, what if Okay, so does Mendelssohn end up going to like a New York? Yes, because it has to. Fish out of water. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be New York. Oh is so New what's York the modern still equivalent? The place that people go to? I mean New York still. Well, they've done LA, so we can't go there. Um I don't know. What would, like you know, does he what's... go to like Portland? I think New York is still
0: Yeah. You know, it's like the biggest... San Francisco. I just think for the purposes of... China, for overseas sales. That's actually smart. Yeah. Beijing. Beijing. Gets shot within the first two days. (laughs) Just (laughs) re-educated. The film's over. Comes out pledging allegiance to the great leader. (laughs) Uh, I think that would be smart to Hmm. do it in China, but I just think that maybe... I think New York still in most people's minds is if you're going to take like a loner guy who's gone bush to the most extreme example, you want to take him to the the US, right?
1: What I would t- say about making it, if you were old... going to get Paul Hogan involved to hand over the rights, uh, regardless of the movie, yeah. like regardless if it's Mendo's uh, Crocodile Dundee or if it's Sam Worthington's Crocodile Dundee or oh, if it's... That's the other guy. I reckon that was the other guy. Because he had a lot of money at one stage. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It was pretty hot. Yeah. Um but what regardless of of who it, is, idea, it i could see where they're doing it yeah. Dundee. It'd be a very different film though the idea that you take it to china so you give it a brand new environment but you also convince him you saved australia and built the tourism industry um, you know with america but now our biggest tourism you know component comes from china So this would be amazing for, you know, this country if you could actually set in China. Um, Yeah, the country's been hurt by the coronavirus and the Chinese tourism. Yeah. Yeah, We as a government are coming to you, Paul Hogan, our person who has saved this country before in the tourism (laughs) industry. And we're saying, please save us, Paul Hogan. You have a second chance in history to sell Australia and now to the Chinese. It's a new story. And Crocodile Dundee goes to Beijing or whatever. And... And I don't know. I would he do it? I I think...
0: He said no. He actually is quite. But has it been pitched like that?
1: I mean, Like I he's saying no to someone else just making the well, movie. Okay, but if, so you're, appealing, if your you're country, appealing to his patriotism. Yeah, if your country came to you and said, you have already once yeah. in the, our history done... If but, the, but he has to make an entire film? If the Prime Minister went on the TV... Right. Oh my god, just call his agent. (laughs) No, 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 because I want this to be a statement. It's gotta be about more than this isn't the Prime Minister talking to him. Mm. This is the Prime Minister talking to the people of Australia. Like Okay. Right. Just pause for a second. If it was
0: you, right? Mm. Would your answer be yes? Possibly. You'd base it on the script, right?
1: Well, here's what I would do. If he if they came to me and they said if Scott Morrison yeah, well the Prime Minister, whoever it is at the time, but if Scott Morrison he goes, look, guys, I know I fucked up with the bushfires. Um, the, the, the coronavirus. <laughs> is this is marketing meeting, is it? <laughs> In front of the whiteboard? This is this is his press conference. Right. He's called like... Oh, i already had the meeting. Every network, he's, he's asked for five minutes on every <laughs> network you know, to address the nation. And he's like, it's your Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. Australia is currently going through an absolutely terrible time. And... Um, I know that I've really, um, you know, bugged up, you know, obviously with the the bushfires and that's hurt the Australian tourism industry, and uh, um, then the coronavirus has really hurt it here, and there are people suffering, and it just reminds me of a time where we did not have a tourism industry, and then he tells a little bit of the story of the Australian tourism industry, and he tells a little bit of a story about the savior of the Australian tourism industry, the man who everyone knows there, your jobs here in Australia owes a great debt to Paul Hogan, and celebrate that, and now we're in this time where. You'll need it again, Paul Hogan. It's time for Crocodile Dundee to rise because <laughs> you're the hero. That's what it's called. You're the hero that Australia needs right now. Um, we want you to make a, a movie, a Crocodile Dundee movie set in China to restart Chinese tourism to Australia.
0: If I'm Paul Hogan, I'm like, lovely sentiments. Could you not have called me i'm feeling like you know that's a bit of emotional blackmail doing that in front of everyone like that
1: oh yeah okay you could spin it like that i suppose (laughs) (laughs) Um, i i would feel that if my phones just started buzzing off the hook and my agent would call pretty soon after going did you fucking just see what the prime minister did he's called on you as the hero of our nation to single-handedly try to save australians and their jobs Like, he's put you in a corner because if you say no, you're suddenly basically saying no to all these people who, you know, who would get jobs out of this in the tourism industry. Like, if I was the Prime Minister when I'm making this address and I'd say, and we as a government pledge, we realise that the best way we could spend $100 million is this will be the best investment this country ever makes. We will make sure that the entire country of Australia is behind you and we will negotiate Mm. personally with the government of China, who also you know will get you know something out of this to make sure that you can have the best access, to so all these sort of things. We're asking you to save us, so we're telling you whatever you need from us, we're going to provide it for you, and we're going to help you make the greatest you know comedy movie, but also tourism mm-hmm. movie of all time. And Paul Hogan would probably say that's an amazing
0: offer. Like mm-hmm. I'm really humbled uh, the fact that you would come to me and, and hold me in this esteem and think that I've still got. The star power. Um, you know, it's really it's it's really quite moving and it makes me proud to be an Australian. Um, do you remember about fifteen years ago uh the ATO went after me pretty hard? Mm. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves.
1: No, well what PH out. No, because Paul. If I if I could, just for a second. Just before I jump out the window, yeah. We're we're all cool with that now. Oh we're cool, are we? Yeah, we're are we, we are, cool.
0: we cool? We're cool. I'm the one who decides
1: when we cool and we ain't cool. No, but what I'm saying to you is that on behalf of Australia, that would be just completely erased. In fact, we would hire somebody to go back through every mention of that and erase it from, literally erase it from history. That's what we offer you. One condition.
0: Hmm. You're Scott Morrison. Yeah. I'm Paul Hogan. Yeah. The only way that'll make this deal go through... Yeah is you let me crack Rupert Murdoch right in the bloody head.
1: (laughs) I can't wait.
0: You're Scott Morrison, though.
1: Um, uh, (laughs) Like, I mean, as in we have to arrange
0: it? Yeah. You have to talk Rupert into letting me crack him square in the noggin.
1: Like once? Yeah. Which which hand?
0: My dominant hand, whatever that one is.
1: (laughs) Is he allowed to... um, No, he's got to stand there and take it. Is he allowed to use any sort of... I will
0: tell him where I'm going to hit him, Whereabouts in the head, but he's just got to take it.
1: That's an impossible request. Rupert Murdoch doesn't care enough for Australia to be convinced to allow Paul Hogan to... Well, you
0: better, him better make him face. care because that's how PH rolls. Get Rupert here, let me punch him right in the mush and you get yourself a deal.
1: I'm sorry. PH but- out. <laughs> you keep saying that, but we're in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> do you not think he would do that? Um, I think he'd do it.
0: I mean, from this... this What's the
1: worst job you ever... And this is not the worst job he ever had. This is the best job he's ever had. But what's the worst job you've ever had? What would be the job you'd hate to have to do again? Like in life or in acting? In acting. In acting. Um, I mean, like maybe none of them, but like if you had to choose one that was like the hardest or the worst Well, you know what's the hardest to do? Whatever.
0: Is the hardest thing to do as as an actor is audition for commercials. Right. Because it's always like it's always like you, there's a really a one in like billion chance you're going to get it because they're looking for something so specific. And it doesn't sort of feel like acting. You're really just coming in saying a line or sometimes not even saying anything at all. And I find that really hard. I always feel very self-conscious when I'm going in for a commercial audition. Okay. So if... And okay. that's the end. So what we're asking Paul to do is essentially a giant commercial.
1: Scott Morrison says to you... Yeah. How have, would you like to punch Rupert? <laughs> you in the head. How would you like to dress as Rupert Murdoch? (laughs) We're going to pay
0: for the best special effects artist to transform you into Rupert Murdoch. You think this will work? Trust me. Cue montage of them, you know, six hours of makeup. I look in the mirror and I look like Dom DeLuise. DeLuise. He doesn't have a beard, you idiots.
1: (laughs) Um, if Scott Morrison came to you I mean it's harder to link the two but let's just say you have to audition for commercials yeah like for five years yeah and um, you're probably not going to get any of them yeah but you have to hope to and you have to hope you have to prepare and hope to get them every time right and then get your hopes crushed yeah but in return you will save the Australian tourism industry do you say yes to that (sighs) <sighs> um, is that the only perk? Just a pride in the job. Just because I mean Paul Hogan. I mean, Hogan, if it's
0: saving Trozzy tourism. Yeah. But I, just a little bit of sugar. Just give him sweeten it a little bit, Paul. Yeah,
1: me. but what you're saying is that to save Australian tourism, you would do something that you absolutely hate with no chance of reward. Yeah. All I'm asking Paul Hogan to do is do something he's exceptionally good at. In fact, when we're, we're not saying do something that's hard or terrible. We're saying we will give you the money to do something that is perhaps more amazing than anything that you've ever done before. And it can be your last hurrah on behalf of this country. And at the exact same time, you can save all these jobs. Guess who's going to come and see your movie? Guess who's going to be first person there? There's going to be no cynicism towards Crocodile Dundee in Beijing because all the people whose jobs you have saved are going to be lining up in their coastal towns that are full of tourists. To you know, go and see Crocodile Dundee three Beijing, and no, the four
0: they've done. LA Crocodile Dundee four,
1: sorry, yeah, exactly. I mean, you forgot about three. It's <laughs> yeah, understandable, absolutely. But
0: the funny thing was this um, in the broadcast for Crocodile Dundee because it was I was just watching it on mm. free to air. They you know they go to the ad breaks. It's like a title card with a you know picture of the actor mm. or whatever. It's Crocodile Dundee the first one, the original, the 1986 Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> but the photo of Paul Hogan they're using. Is Paul Hogan in his Crocodile Dundee gear in the tourism ad or like at the Olympic Games where he looks like 150 years old, but he's still, it looks like a guy doing uh, Crocodile Dundee cosplay. It's like your grandpa doing Crocodile Dundee cosplay. I'm like, why didn't they just take It's still from the movie? Where did they source this clip art photo of Paul Hogan for?
1: Margot Robbie. What if Margot Robbie was who? Daughter of
0: Dundee. Yeah, or,
1: or daughter of Donk. Like, you know, like daughter of, you know, one of the... His doc? doc? Uh, no, or what was his best Wally. mate's name? Wally. But, you know, someone from... Yeah. The, it doesn't have to be necessarily... What
0: about Linda Kozlowski's daughter?
1: She, did she have a daughter? Uh,
0: bloody Crocodile Dundee 3. They had a boy.
1: They had a boy, George yeah. Negus's son. Yeah. <laughs> Ironic, right? George Fungus had George Negus' son? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. But Margot Robbie, I can imagine, might be the sort of person who asked for the rights. Because I just think that Margot Robbie, I'd give it to Margot Robbie. Yeah, she's doing some good do something stuff interesting now. with it. Maybe have you she, seen, well, have you know what? You like, you're right.
0: Maybe we're being bloody sexist. Yeah, she could have been the second star to offer Paul Hogan. Because who are the Australian? Who are the big Australian stars? Who well, are in enough? that that tourism ad, yeah. And they do a montage at the end. And mm. it's like everyone. It's like Hugh Jackman and Ruby Rose and Luke Bracey and Margot Robbie. They're all... Uh, Russell Crowe. They all do the cameos because apparently... maybe Is there is. any chance that Russell
1: Crowe ever thought that he could play Mick Dundee?
0: Oh, is there anything
1: Russell Crowe thinks he can't play? I mean, Russell Crowe... One heart at a time, Will. He is, at the moment, because of the bushfires and stuff, he's been making a lot of very public statements into to do with you know climate change yeah. and you know yeah making a real statement and i'm just like i'm loving this period of me too Russell's the life. renaissance it, yeah the russell <laughs> the ross naissance ross naissance <laughs> yeah i <laughs> always
0: want too many syllables yeah, yeah the Russ naissance 100 yeah
1: one heart at a time the Russ naissance
0: <laughs> when he um when he sent out that video that climate change video, yeah. i almost retweeted
1: it with one heart at a time <laughs> uh, but the amount of times that I have to resist putting one at a time. There was something about Valentine's Day the other day, and I was just like, "Oh, I, I so want a one heart at a time this, but I can't." I have to
0: find out if it's if he if he means it or not, if he's sincere, because I like it both ways. I love that he takes the time out to say to a fan who loves Robin Hood, <laughs> one at a time. One at a time. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get to some mail, then we'll get the hell out of here. This is our normal TOFOP respondents. Uh, you can go to our website, tofop.com. There's a link there. that will take you to uh, how you can send us a message. Or you can go to email, tofop at gmail.com. Another way you can contact us is through our Patreon will. Hmm. And Patreon is like a uh, crowdfunding site that helps us make this podcast. So you can subscribe for any amount you want a month, from a dollar up to how much you can afford. You become part of Patreon. You get access to all our bonus material, but you can also there's so much bonus
1: material as well. Actually, there really is. Like there's so much much good James Fosdike stuff, but there's extra behind the scenes stuff. There's yeah, it actually is worth you yeah, know taking some time and having a look through because there's some amazing stuff there.
0: Yeah, so we uh we're updating the Patreon as we speak, we're also updating our Instagram page. We we checked it out the other day, it has five posts, the last one was in 2016. So I'm making my way through updating that. So that's going to be uh, another channel you're going to get stuff through. We're going to try, try and upload more video content to our Instagram page. Um but if you want to support the show, Patreon is the best way to do it. We give you content there, but all we ask in return is you
1: pay what you think we're worth. Well, No, pay more than you think we're worth, because otherwise we'll go broke. I think currently a lot of people are paying what they think we're worth. (laughs) But if some of you could pay a little bit more than that, that'd be
0: great. Um, And the best thing about being a Patreon subscriber is that you get the chance to win uh, some Tofop exclusive merch. Mm. We're down to... We've got six Tofop sticker packs to give away. So what we've done is moved all our Patreon messages onto a separate podcast that you can access through Patreon, because there's a way of giving back. So if you want to win yourself a sticker pack time is running out in fact we have 60 to get through so you're probably not going to get one honestly but we've got some other merch coming up something else we need to talk about off air oh
1: yeah and it, it, it there's also all james fosdike's merch yep. yeah, on his red page. oh yeah that's great i have a um a new, south park i have a it. new south park how'd you get that from red you bought it yeah i bought it it's awesome because <laughs> you yeah, well, i love south park and then i was having a look at it one day and i was like that's really cool it actually and, is. And then it's actually a really nice top as well. It's really <laughs> comfortable. Like I, was, I could not be happier with the purchase. I was like, our podcast has some excellent merch. Yeah, that's better than any yeah. of our ad reads, that one right there. <laughs> well, because it is good. <laughs> I wear it all the time. It's really comfortable. I, I bought a hoodie the other day. I enjoyed that South Park one I bought so much. I've bought myself a hoodie. I think it's arriving tomorrow. Uh,
0: one other thing Not is- a
1: South Park one, a different
0: one. And everyone relax on. One other thing we should remind you about is our bushfire appeal. Mm. We cracked 100,000. Well, we did it. When do we stop? Have we stopped? Well, I've decided I'm going to leave it up just for another week because uh, we got a bit of attention around the fact that we cracked 100,000. So some people maybe weren't aware. Um, well, you missed the boat for the bonus stuff because now we're deep into the season proper. Mm. But there is some great stuff to go back and listen to that we did around the bushfire. Um, there's a link on the website if you'd like to donate, but yeah, I'll probably shut it down in a couple oh. of weeks. But thank you to
1: everyone who donated. Yeah, incredibly generous and incredibly needed for us. Like a nervous batsman, we got to 90. Oh. I, didn't think we were gonna make, to I did not think to we were going to make it to 100,000. I mean, we begged. And again, <laughs> at the start, we would have been happy with 5,000. So it's amazing how your expectations change. We've got some mail here
0: from Kim. Hey, Tofop. Massive fan of the show. I especially love listening to your dulcet tones while I meander about the house, completing mundane tasks such as cooking, cleaning, or getting ready for work.
1: Tofop. Podcast to do when you're doing shitty work. I mean, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff I find quite...
0: It is, yeah. I don't mind a meander. That's around your the time, house, right? That's your it's time. My
1: time. Exactly. Listen to a podcast. I don't know if I've missed
0: the memo, but I recently saw that Will has left Triple M. MMM. I Googled the news story to suss it out and was delighted to see that at the end of the article they list some of the most important jobs you'll still be doing, including hosting TOFOP. Mm-hmm. And then she sent you an article, link to the article so you can read it. <laughs> oh great. I have an important question, I'm surprised it hasn't been covered on the show it's yet. It's good that
1: I kept the thing that I don't get any money for. <laughs> And got rid of the thing that Just I was going to pay somebody for. for everything. Yeah. I make real great decisions. Uh, important
0: question. What's your opinion of Robert Pattinson, the main guy from Twilight, being cast as Batman? Must think we're old that we don't know who Robert Pattinson is.
1: Uh, well, they must think we don't listen to The Weekly Planet, which we both do. Yeah. Um, Rob Pat, Patton Pat. Rob ba- Batten, Bat, Patton. Oh, Rob Bat, Batten Bat. <laughs> I fucked it up, Rob Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Bat, Bat, and Bat. Um, they released some footage this week. Did you see that? It looked good, I Yeah, like. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, he looks good. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't care about the... Because the footage will be so different to actually anything that is in the movie. But does his face look good, like, in a Batman mask? Yes, his face looks good in a Batman I mask. I also just think that we live in an era now where,
0: like, you'll see images of dudes just like Batman everywhere, and cosplay is so advanced and sophisticated. Now, I've seen, like... Heaps of really good-looking Batman costumes that are just some dude at a comic book convention. So I think we live in an era where just seeing a guy in a costume isn't that exciting
1: anymore. Also, I am just not that guy. I love when like, I hear Meso talk about all the different costumes and stuff on the Weekly Planet because sometimes never I, noticed. Would, I just don't even notice. He's dressed ch- as a bat. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I never noticed oh, that. Oh, Batman. Oh, <laughs> Fuck. I thought his last name was Batman. (laughs) I I have never made the connection. I just... I was wondering who these two guys were in this movie. (laughs) Right. Oh. 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 Oh.
0: (laughs) So you're going to have to leave.
1: But but hang on. But he's scared of bats. (laughs) At at the start, he fell down into the bats. Why would he be dressed as a bat? Are you excited for the new version? Oh. I'm a bit like that. After Endgame, you're kind of like, well, I mean, come on. For a while, you're just like, you're going to have to come up with something new. Something now, new, please. Although, because Endgame... But the new stuff doesn't seem to work. That Harley Quinn movie seemed to bomb, apparently. But yeah, but I keep hearing people say that they quite enjoyed it. Yeah. Get work, go broke. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th- I think it was confusingly named. I'm not the only person who, who thinks that, but I think it was confusingly named. Yeah. And I also
0: um, think we're now in the era of peripheral superhero characters that most
1: people don't know of. There's no name recognition. Also, just for the record, it's a spin-off to a movie that was widely... Just because she was the best bit in a terrible movie doesn't mean that you actually deserve your whole other movie. Yeah. I mean, I think she probably does. That does happen, though. I'm sure she's great in it. I mean, Brad Pitt
0: in True Romance deserved his own movie. (laughs) (laughs) He's only got like two scenes in that film. Yeah, but they didn't give him. No, but they should have. (laughs) anyway i really enjoy the show i hope it continues as long as possible or at least Mm. until the world goes to shit and the robots kill us all keep up the great work this is from uh james i want to say james corden why because it's sung almost in a car (laughs) Two colin fop listening to your surprise at drake's success on the decade review bonus app I realised I have a few more facts I'd love to hear your reaction to. Those three number ones in 2018 gave Drake a record-breaking 29 weeks straight at number one, beating the 2004 streak of Charlie's last superstar, Touchstone, mentioned in the episode Usher. In fact, Drake spent 476 of 520 weeks in the 2010s in the Billboard Hottest 100, 509 if you count his feature on Travis Scott's Sicko Mode, this includes a run of eight years straight from 2009 without being off the charts. He has been absolutely dominant, making the fact neither of you really knew the songs even funnier. <laughs> we are irrelevant. I mean, I still couldn't really... Um, start at the bottom, now we're here. Yeah. She'd like to call me on the telephone. Is Yeah, that Hotline it? Bling. Hotline Bling, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's nice. My... <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> a side note to finish off as classic as Mike Howell's comedy conversation yeah. line is I've always described the pod as two friends having a kind of chat you find around a temper first bl-
1: name ever last name great what is it last name ever first name greatest I don't know that song that's like a famous Drake line isn't it
0: last name famous what was it <laughs> last <laughs> name
1: last name uh, uh, yeah yeah last name ever first name greatest I don't know it. Is it Can
0: you give me a beat or something?
1: No. Okay. Can, we could barely name like three songs that he was in the charts for for fucking like 10 years. I've always described the pod as two friends having the kind of
0: chat you find around a tempered glass patio table at 2am in Australian house parties. Mostly jokes and pop culture, some political side parts, and the occasional deep and meaningful. Mm. Pretty wow, much this, summed up this episode where this podcast was born. That or the world's lead think tank for products and movies which will mm. disappointingly never get made. People say that quite a bit, that this sounds like your mates at the pub but generally involves your mates and being intoxicated. Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Two o'clock in the morning. Incoherent. (laughs) Droning. I look forward to potentially repeating themselves, having the same conversations (laughs) over and over again.
0: I look forward to potentially hearing this read out in six months. (laughs) Thanks for the years of free content, James. Well, right on. When was this? He sent that a month ago so okay. we're doing better bad. we did have a backlog alright that's it um, yeah if you are, uh, want to hear the bonus Patreon episode you're going to have to sign up to Patreon or if you are a Patreon member you can head over uh, in a couple of days and I'll be up there ready to listen to I'm trying to work out how people can get it onto their phones I know there is a way of doing it at the moment people have to go to the Patreon site but I think there's a feed or something I can send out to everyone so give me some days to figure that out my computer broke I'm doing all of this with an iPad and an iPhone but I'll make it work somehow
1: Toe <laughs>
0: I'm <joking>. Charlie <Nick> Clawson. <laughs> oh, hang
1: on. I'm going to plug my shows. Can I oh, plug yes. my oh, shows? Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to be in Adelaide for two weeks at the Adelaide Fringe. My show, Well Informed, uh, which I've just done a week off up at Brunswick Heads, and it was great fun. And um, uh, So I reckon that'll be really cool. So come out and see that in Adelaide. I didn't get to Fringe last year. And then Melbourne Comedy Festival, two weeks of Will Legal, my show about being arrested. Uh, ten shows only. That'll be the last time I ever do that show in Melbourne. And then ten shows of my improvised show what you talking about will which is a completely different show made up in the room every night and i am i'm very excited about it actually i'm really looking forward to the next i've been really enjoying being back doing stand-up i've had a really great time i think i've done some of the best like i had a bit of a break Mm. and i wasn't sure whether i would come back a bit rusty but i actually feel like the break's been really good for me i feel really creative and i'm been having a good time on stage and you know the shows have been great fun so i'm looking forward to this little run of shows so please come out and see uh shows if you're in adelaide or melbourne and a whole bunch of other places already on sale scott morrison came to you and
0: said would you yep. do your improvised show in beijing to save australian tourism absolutely 100 percent.
1: i'd be wrapped yeah in front of who a death squad <laughs> <laughs> i'm charlie clausen <laughs> <Will Anderson. laughs>